All right, so we are here today with, uh, I'm DJing tonight, I guess you could say, or MCing, I guess. Um, so it's Grayson Rufo here. All right, that's, I'm gonna start that out again. Hey guys, how's it going? Uh, we're here for a quick little podcast tonight. We're here with uh, Eric. How's it going, everybody? And we're here with Brandon. And uh, we're just here talking about Eric's exciting new trip here. Um, he had a little bit of an adventure, uh, and I'm very interested. I have not heard the story yet, so basically he's going to be telling us about it. Um, and as you may know, uh, Eric's been on our channel before with the Westphalia, as well as his Chevrolet C10. And he was living in the Westphalia, which he recently sold. Mm -hmm. And he uh, went out and bought an Astrovan. And up until how long you've been living in the Astrovan for? Uh, so the Astrovan's been just about two months now. Um, All-wheel drive, 95. So it's a Safari, but it's the same as an Astro. Um, I decided to go with one of those because they're a good amount of inner inner space anyway to live in. And just um, yeah, I built like a little a bed and it folds into a couch, so it's been pretty sweet. But uh, I got a big trip planned and. Um, yeah, I figured I'd go with something a little bit more reliable and cheaper on gas. So now, the Astrovan, uh, we went on a road trip. Um, we, went, we went up to Bella Coola. Most people listening to this podcast won't know where that is, but it's kind of, what, 15 hours away from Vancouver? Uh, yeah, about 15 hours from Vancouver on the far up west coast of BC. Yeah, and so it was three of us sleeping in the Astrovan, <laughs> which was... Quite the experience. It worked though, surprisingly did, enough. Yeah, um, yeah. I like. I'd much rather do that than pitch a tent. Mm -hmm. No pun intended. Um, so, so it was. Um, it was. A, it was a really fun trip. But I definitely see where you know having more space is a benefit because we definitely sure. had to pack light and it was a lot of shuffling stuff around to get access to yeah, it. Yeah, I found like the biggest. The biggest thing that was stressful for me. It's like. Um, all your stuff stored under the bed or it's stored on the roof in the Thule box or it's somehow mangled on top of the bed So it's just it never felt organized um, Which is the biggest problem for me. And so I just figured I need something um, That's just a little bit more Spatially aware and that'll work a bit better for me. So nice. nice. So That being said you found a Toyota Camper van is it or is it a Torian motorhome? It's a full-on motorhome. So it's, um, it's a camper refers to if you have a truck and you have a camper Which is a separate unit that you put in the back of the truck. So it was built on a Toyota chassis. pickup. Yeah chassis. So they pretty much take the, the cab and the motor and the frame and then they build a whole camperized unit on the back You can get from the front seats into the back um, Has like the ones I, I was looking at have like a full sink kitchen, um, stove and oven, bathroom with a shower, uh, so fully equipped. Now the one that you've originally found was down in Washington actually. Yeah, actually the one I first told you about was in Washington. That one was, uh, would have been about an eight hour drive to get there, plus a ferry, plus the import fees, which I looked into. It was only gonna cost me like about another $300 American to get it into the country, uh, but it was just a lot of a hassle and it, it just didn't flow quite right, so I, uh, let off that one and I found two in Ontario uh, which I spontaneously bought a plane ticket and flew all the way to Ontario to take a look at. So I just want to get like a little bit of background done here. So you were flying to Ontario because you wanted to have a truck, but at the same time, you're going to incorporate into this um, car purchase a meditation retreat that you had planned in Alberta. Right, yeah. So I was um, doing a 10-day Vipassana meditation retreat, which is um, it's run by Buddhist. It's in a it's a Buddhist style meditation. Um, really cool. If anyone wants to check that one of those out. Um, so yeah, what I was planning on doing was instead of driving from BC to Alberta, which is about a ten hour drive, I was going to fly to Ontario, 
buy this camperized motorhome and drive it back across the country, stopping in Alberta on the way and continuing back on to BC. So um, give us a time frame. So, so you hopped on the plane and you left from Vancouver, flew straight to Toronto. <laughs> from flying to Toronto, how many days did you have to buy the van and get to Alberta? Right, so I guess I'll go a little bit farther back. So it was Thursday um, and I was looking and found these two, called the guys uh, in Ontario, because there was two that I was looking at. And they both seemed really good. I looked at the pictures. They gave me like really high hopes on how they looked and everything. So I bought a plane ticket for that Monday. Had to be in, um, had to be in Alberta for Thursday. So that left me about three days to get there. So I fly to Ontario, get off the plane, get, go look at the one. Turns out to be terrible. The floors are rotten. Things are falling apart. And now was this the one? At, it was held at a dealership. This was the one at the dealership. And the guy told me, "Oh, it looks like it's out of a time capsule." Yeah, it was, I was not impressed with that. So, but you did see photos before you left. I did, and it looked amazing in the photos. So where was the, um, where was the rot? So there was, there was rust on the passion, passenger door, on the bottom four inches of the door all the way across. Um, there was, you could tell, you couldn't tell in the pictures, but when you actually looked at it, someone had repainted the whole, like, the hood and the fenders, and you could tell that the paint was, like, um, like dripping and like it was just a terrible like it looked like someone did this thing in their backyard uh, and then the inside like there was a bit of mold here and there and the the drywall and stuff or not the drywall but the fabric on the walls was all ripped up and stuff and and like how many kilometers was on this thing oh yeah that was the other thing the guy told me it's got 30 thick 36,000 miles which is like amazing that's super low and when I went and looked at it, it said that on the insurance papers, but the actual dash read 125. Oh, and it and was that's in kilometers. Miles. It was in kilometers. And so he was like, he told me miles, and the thing turned out to be in kilometers. So it was a little shady. I was like, what's? I don't know. It, I wasn't wasn't impressed. So you, this is your first day in Toronto, ever being in Toronto, and so far your experience. Yeah, the was massive not great. <laughs> city of Toronto, and this is in Coburg at the Nissan dealership. So it was about an hour and a half outside of Toronto. So I had to pay another bunch of money to take a train to get out there, realize I didn't like it, have to train back into the city, stay at a hostel, and then a ridiculous cab fare to get to the other one on the other side of Toronto, uh, which turned out to be even worse. All the wooden cabinets uh, that are all made out of like a, a plywood kind of base had absorbed moisture and they were all separating or all different layers. And now what was the price tag on these two ones that you were looking uh, at? So they're both, uh, one was 5,000, the other one was 4,900. And do you know what like a mint condition one goes for? Like what year was it? Like if it was in the shape that I thought it was in, and that's the right price. But they like I would have priced those at like two grand, maybe three thousand. So now the, here's the real question. So you have to get from Toronto. So far, your two options have fallen through. You're stuck in Toronto, and you have to be in Alberta in two days. Yeah, and this and the thing was, I only had an opportunity to check one out on the Monday. And by the time I got out of Toronto and back into Toronto, it was nighttime. So I had to stay at a hostel and then the next day look at the other one, which only left me one day to drive, one and a half days to drive 33 hours. So I'm sorry, how the hell did you do this? You don't have a vehicle. You're, you're stuck in Toronto. I'm literally stuck in Toronto. 33 hours away from where I have to be on time. So it was ridiculous. I was like, hey, well, I, this isn't going to work. I went and looked at it. I was like, I can't buy this thing. So that's where I was crap out of luck. Um... And that's where I was like, okay, and ended up right after checking out the second one, um, taking the bus to the airport and buying a plane ticket home. So I ended up flying to Toronto kind of for nothing. Um, but it was kind of cool. You know, there was one thing that they really worked out for me on that trip, and I almost see it as an investment more than I do as 
um, this huge cost. Um, as I had checked out the first one, didn't like it, um, and decided I was going to go back to Toronto, I stopped at a sushi bar. Um, it was alright sushi, but I met these two people because they saw me with my bag and my boots and thought I was a traveler. And uh, He ended up being a writer and he heard about the trip that I'm doing down south. He's a writer and a publisher and he told me that um, he won't let me go on my trip unless I write a book and send it to him so he can publish it for me. Wow. Um, so I was like, wow, that's, that's awesome. Uh, so I think, I think it was almost like a sign, like, okay, maybe I, maybe I am supposed to write a book about my travels. Some interesting things happen, so. That sounds yeah, very yeah. exciting. So you flew back home. How did you get to Alberta? So I flew back home. Just as I land on the plane, my phone dies. Uh, so I have no way to get a hold of anyone to get me a ride. So I had to SkyTrain. Um, and then I had to bus from the SkyTrain all the way back to my parents' house. Um, dropped my bags and stuff. Did a quick laundry. And then I jumped back in the Safari van. Drove it to Kelowna that night. So I got, in Kelowna, got to Kelowna about 2 in the morning. Uh, stayed with my dad. He was working up there. I uh, went and checked out two motorhomes that were the same style but a bit newer, which also turned to not be very nice. Um, then I was on my way to Alberta, uh, figuring that I had another day because this was Wednesday. Then I looked at the schedule and it turns out that I had to be there on Wednesday at 3 o'clock. Um, and it was Wednesday at 3 o'clock and I was eight hours away. So I called them like, I'm really sorry, but I'm going to be eight hours. Is that okay? Uh, it turned out to be okay. So I drove quite fast all the way to Alberta, eight hours pretty much non-stop um, and made it on time for the retreat. Had to sleep in the van, it was awesome. So now this retreat, we jump around all over the place here. Give us a little bit more into like what this retreat was. Uh, so it's a Vipassana meditation, which is a retreat that uh, helps you understand um, the deeper experience, the deeper human experience, I guess is the best way I could say it. So. Uh, it's a 10 day long retreat, um, you're in noble silence, which means you don't speak to anyone, um, you don't really make eye contact, you don't, uh, I mean, you hold doors if you're right beside someone, but for the most part, you're, you're looking at yourself. You live the life of a monk for 10 days, essentially. Um, the meals are cooked for you, you all have separate rooms, you have a place to meditate, and pretty much for, from 4.30 in the morning until 9.30 at night, you're meditating the whole day. So now, are you awake through this entire period? Uh, are you sleeping in? Uh, well, you sleep for about six hours every night. Um, but the thing is, when you're meditating that much, um, sometimes you don't have any uh, desire to sleep because you're so, like, you're so aware of the moment, and it's it's very stimulating. But sometimes, yeah, you're not really very tired. You're quite quite wired. So, what are you eating for the ten days that you were on this? Uh, so you get you get breakfast. So you get it's all buffet style. So you're supposed to eat you know a reasonable amount, not eat too much because the more you eat the less aware you are of your body because your body's spent processing food. Um, so yeah, you have breakfast, you have a pretty good sized lunch, and then for uh, dinner, all you get is a little bit of fruit. Uh, you're supposed to not fast in the evening, but you're supposed to eat less so that your body um, can go deeper into the meditations and you can become more aware of uh, the sankaras, which is reoccurring events in your life. Um, so yeah, it was, it was really powerful for me. Uh, this is my second time doing it. Um, I've been trying to keep a daily practice of an hour a day, but um, you know it just depends on the depends on the week. Some days are easier, some days are a little bit more challenging. So, so the f how many days was the first one you did? Uh, same. It's a standard thing. Vipassana meditations, ten days. Now, if somebody's interested in doing a meditation like this, like what advice would you give them? Um, I would just say like just be prepared to like it's it's very powerful. Like you you learn a lot about yourself. So it was, I would say like. 
I would recommend it for pretty much anyone. Just be willing to accept like, accept yourself and be happy with yourself. And it it's done nothing but good for me, so. Did you take something, did you take more away from the second time you did it um, than you did for the first one? For sure. The first time for me, I was in a bit of a rocky place in my life at that period. So I kind of looked to the retreat to like, you know, save my life or make my life that much better. But what it did is it just made me more accepting of the place I was at in my life, which gave me the ability to get through that place because I was so attached to the feelings and I was so overwhelmed by them. Um, but by doing the first retreat, it was like, okay, um, the fact that these emotions are there, um, the biggest thing that they say is, um, this too shall pass. Nothing is eternal. So regardless of how you feel in any current moment, it's not eternal. It's just going to pass. Like you go through highs and lows and middles no matter what point in your life you're in. And it's just learning to accept the highs and the lows and be fully welcoming for whatever stage of life you're in. Uh, and the second... So I would say the first one was extremely powerful for me. The second one, I was more accepting of the technique and um, just the 10 days and I was more willing to go deeper into it. So I definitely got a lot out of it as well. Wow, so like how many people are in this uh, building? Uh, it's about 25 guys, 25 women. Uh, it just depends on the, fa uh, the facility. They usually have, like in Canada, there's one in every province pretty much. In the States, there's one in every state pretty much. Um, it's, they came from India originally. Uh, there's a guy named Goenka who is the one that made it so much more popular and got it bigger and a lot more well-known. So for like 50 people in a building not saying anything to each other, that must be really weird to get over. But for you, what was the most difficult part um, like to get over while doing these 10 days of Noble Silence? Mm, most difficult part, um, well, two things. One was you know, not, having, not having like a full meal for dinner. That was like, for me, like I love food. Um, so that just like amps up your emotions and you know it's like oh my god I want to eat something but you can't because you're not supposed to have dinner and that was hard for me um, I think the other thing is just yeah like just learning to accept my emotions was probably the hardest thing uh, but the most rewarding in the end for sure so once you finish this retreat you hop back in your safari van <laughs> and start driving back home to Vancouver oh god and then the fun starts yeah so yeah, like I said, the, the retreat's all about learning to accept the things that happen in your life and not, uh, and when emotion comes up, not attaching to the emotions, not reacting to them, um, like instinct. It's being able to beat that instinct and being able to deal with things from a more enlightened, more aware space. So it was perfect, you know, like, was driving home, it was good. I stopped about halfway in Nelson, camped out in Nelson, uh, was driving home, uh, just turned off the crow's nest and was on the number one, coming out of Hope. And doing about 120, passing the semi-truck in the left lane. Uh, and I heard this kind of weird noise and the back end of the van was starting to lower. And then all of a sudden I heard this like whop, up, 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 up. And the back tire of the van was completely shredded, slapping on the back of the ground in the van. Um, so I pulled over right away and I'm looking at the tire. And I'm like, well, that sucks, but whatever. It's just a tire. I can get another one. And then look a little closer and the whole fender from the back tire to the bumper is completely squished up into the into the leaf spring and all just mangled and destroyed um, so it was at that moment that I I like just sat there for a second and I started giggling so I was like well this is one of those like one of those moments where it's like is are you gonna freak out or did the 10 days do something for you and all I could do is laugh I'm like well I guess this was meant to happen right <laughs> so did you bring a jack this time I had a jack this time. <laughs> yeah, no more changing tires without jacks. I figured I was by myself this time. Maybe I'll bring a jack. 
So you had a spare with you, you were able to repair it okay? Yeah, I was able to repair it, got the spare in, was able to, uh, to make it back, driving 90 down the highway with the truckers in their lane. <laughs> um, yeah, it was, I was fortunate because it happened, you know, like 100 yards in front of um, where the trucks pull over to get weighed at the scales. So when I when the tire blew, I like you know started slowing down, cut in behind that semi, and pulled over on the side of the road, and I was right at the entrance of the scales. So I was right off away from the highway, so cars weren't close to me. It wasn't dangerous. So it really worked out in the best spot. And I'm just like I'm so thankful it wasn't the front tire because especially being in between a barricade and a semi truck, if your front tire blows out, you lose steering. So that would have been extremely dangerous. So, so quite, in the quite end, fortunate. It, yeah, I'm like okay, it was bad, but. Like now I have to probably pay to fix this fender or sell the van for cheaper, whatever. So I'm at a bit of a loss, but I have my life, so I'm happy. Always a good thing. Yeah. Um, we'll wrap it up here pretty quick, but now is there any damage to the rim? To the rim? No. Surprisingly, uh, I slowed down fast enough um, because what happened was the tire popped, and this is what it felt like anyway. It felt like I was running on a flat tire, and then just from the pressure of the flat tire, that's what ripped the tire apart. Um, but by that point, I was probably doing 50k, so it didn't didn't wreck the rim. Got it, got a new tire today, got it balanced and everything, and she's good to go. So, how long do you plan on holding onto the safari van for? Um, well, I looked at ICBC and tried to figure out that, and it's a $300 deductible plus my rates go up. Um, so I'm probably just gonna sell it as is uh, and cut my losses. Probably take a bit of money off and probably selling it in the next few weeks now because I have this new truck. The new truck. Yeah. But let's just finish off with that quickly. All right. So I'll say that part quickly. So instead of buying this uh, motorhome because none of them are really good and they're all two-wheel drive, I bought a 93 Toyota Tacoma uh, in really good shape, four-wheel drive, five-speed on the floor. Um, and I'm just going to buy a camper and put that in the back and going to go that way. So you're converting it to pretty much what your original goal was. Exactly, yeah. Right. So when you say a camper, you're talking about an actual like motorhome style converted truck. Exactly. So you're going to still have the pickup truck. You fold down the tailgate and you slide this thing in kind of like you would a canopy, except you're able to stand up. It sleeps two to three, um, has a stove, kitchen, all that kind of stuff. So yeah, it's like a little mini house in the back of your truck. And you didn't have to fly to Toronto to get it. I didn't. <laughs> Should have just stayed here. <laughs> so I guess you're taking off here pretty quick, but now you are going on a little bit of a road trip. That's right. So uh, me and another friend, uh, also named Eric, um, he calls me also Eric though, uh, we're driving from BC, Canada, all the way down the coast, through Mexico, through a bunch of Central American countries, and our end destination is hopefully Chile. So this is a very long trip. I think we, what was it, around 12,000, 13,000 kilometers. Uh, it's quite quite a journey. Um, yeah, you can check it out. We're actually gonna make videos all along the way. Uh, Train Wild 365. You'll be able to see us on YouTube. Uh, and yeah, it's gonna, be, it's gonna be quite the journey. Very exciting and best of luck to you guys. Now, um, is there anything you have to do to the truck before you take it on this 13,000 kilometer uh, trek? Yeah, well, I can feel the clutch slipping a little bit, so I'm gonna get that checked out tomorrow, and if it turns out being um, necessary, I'm, I'll replace the clutch, but uh, the motor's been rebuilt uh, under 100,000 kilometers, which is pretty good. Um, body's straight, doesn't really need anything. Brakes are pretty fresh, so I think we're pretty good to go. Just gotta get this camper now. Wow. Yeah. All right. Well, we won't take up any more of your time. Well, thank you for joining us. And uh, yeah, thanks for having me on. And yeah, check it, check it out. Train Wild 365. That's Train Wild 365 on YouTube. Yeah, it has some exciting stuff um, about life in his van.
yeah. living on the road and uh, building Quincy's, I think it's called. Oh yeah, building Quincy's, yeah, snow caves. There you go. Yeah. All right, well, thanks for joining us for this quick, quick podcast. Um, it'll be up, I guess, this weekend. So uh, take it easy. Yeah, take care.